We know for a fact that Randy Weingarten and these national teachers unions were controlling the process for reopening. And so I, I believe that in light of some of these developments that Kentucky parents deserve to know uh, the same thing about how the decisions were made here in Kentucky. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. And taking off it is with Jared Crawford, Scott Jennings, Kevin Grouch, Sean Southern, I'm Joe Arnold. You know, when you stop to think about it, it is it is pretty extraordinary that we, a select group of human beings, because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, are able to sit in a room and 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 come together and actually talk about saving the planet. Yeah. Welcome to Flyover Country. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? I feel world like you're what building you to something. What? Have you... What? What are you doing? Did He's drinking a Zenify. It's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of Not dogs. whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and um, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about. Quote, saving the planet. If you said that to most people, most people, All right. they think you're just a John crazy Harry. tree-hugging... John I can't believe he didn't get elected you know, president. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> isn't, isn't talking about saving the planet like the most terrestrial thing, thing you, could, you do? could do? No, it's extraterrestrial. <laughs> he didn't say what planet. He said the planet. It could oh, be any planet. Oh, oh. Uh, forget about that. We're saving He's saving Jupiter. Pluto. Bring it back. He's, I, who, who was better on saving the planet this week, John Kerry or Greta? Getting packed out of that coal mine by the cops. I only this week. saw Man. a headline, but I missed. What, what happened now? What happened? So the 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 the, uh, the climate czar of Europe, Greta uh, Thunberg, <laughs> uh, uh, I guess was protesting yeah. Kevin the opening of a coal mine, something like that. And she was blocking it, and then the police like packed her out of there, and they dragged her like, out. Well, they, oh. they were like carrying her, and there was like a picture of her, and she's like smiling while the cops are. Dragging her out of there. She didn't try, what? like, pouring a can of paint on the coal or something like they're doing to the Mona Lisa? I think she was just blocking no, it's it. it's like tomato juice. But did you see it was staged, like? It's, yeah, it, it was course. very you reminiscent know, of the like, AOC yeah. getting arrested, just holding her hands yeah, behind her back as if yeah. she were yeah. handcuffed. Great moments, great weeks in Saving the Planet yeah. with Joe I'm, Arnold. I'm honored to be here with the select few of you. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no From more. Extraterrestrial what, 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 what is it? That touched us all. That put us in this room. Today. This is not a therapy session. Don't bring that I don't up. know. I'll just say it was. A, it was a few months ago, maybe sometime mid last year, when I went off on my rant about solar panels. Y'all looked at me like I, like I was insane. <laughs> but I'm telling you, this is all coming to fruition now with John Kerry. Actually, he wants all factories now to be transitioned to making solar panels, as if it's an, this extraterrestrial existential. Well, is there is there any coincidence that he made that speech this week at the same time that? It was announced there's going to be a hybrid Corvette produced. An E-Ray. Mm. An e- Are they making that in Bowling, Bowling Green, too? Green, Kentucky. Green, Kentucky? That's right. There you go. Mm. Planet saved. $1,000. The planet is saved by You're these welcome, hybrid Corvettes. Earth. We'll, we'll get to Corvettes here in a minute with, with the president. But right now, actually, we have some breaking news. Yeah. We need a breaking news stinger at some point there, Jerry. But Sean Southerd... <laughs> Uh, yeah, work harder. Gonna try again, the, the the deeper octave. <laughs> he's going to do a little search here on on uh, on the Twitter or on the line in the meantime. But but Sean, uh, you are uh, featured on a Fox News article here. I'm, I am a uh, national story coming out on Friday as as this uh, podcast is being released. What is happening? Well, uh, 
I, I made an open records request of uh, Governor Andy Bashir's office that sought to get correspondence uh, of his office and his team seeking to to see uh, what they how they made decisions during the COVID pandemic as it related to school closures. And uh, they they didn't like that. They denied it. And- I'm pulling up a breaking news stinger. For- <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know when it's ready. <laughs> You go ahead. That was actually like disco. Yeah. This is a well-oiled program here. Like the Bee Gees are very interested in this news story. That's right. Um, Good news. So, well, this is taking away any sort of seriousness. I'm sorry. I was trying to help you. (laughs) You asked. Tell us what happened. So, So why were you filing this open records request? Well, I think that parents deserve to know how the governor and his team made decisions during the pandemic, especially in light of these school scores that are coming out, shows that the massive learning loss right. going on. So for folks who are listening from outside of Kentucky, what did Kentucky do during all of this? They shut down the schools. The governor shut down the schools, and he shut down private schools as well. Uh, and what do we know about what the about what the Biden administration was doing when they were making the same policies? We know for a fact that Randy Weingarten, and these national teachers unions were controlling the process for reopening. And so I, I believe that in light of some of these developments that Kentucky parents deserve to know uh, the same thing about how the decisions were made here in Kentucky. And so the governor denied my request, uh, did make an appeal to the attorney general's office, which uh, found uh, that the governor violated the Open Records Act. <gasps> Uh, and deny my request, and so uh, we look forward to seeing the governor now comply. And so you mentioned Randy Weingarten. So are the teachers' unions or groups part of your open records request? Yeah, so I, I sought uh, any correspondence uh, related or mentioning uh, a series of, of terms, uh, including you know non-traditional instruction days or NTI days is a term that we in Kentucky got to know. Uh, throughout the pandemic, but also included uh, the names of certain education groups and, and, and other, and other uh, uh, things that I thought would be uh, pertinent to that search. So, so parents can find out exactly what the process was, who was involved? Right. Well, and, well, it, well like other Democrats, Sean, I presume you believe that Andy Bashir, while he was claiming to have been making all of these decisions based on, quote, the science, there may well have been non-scientific people involved, and they just happen to be the same people who were his biggest political benefactors. Well, I wouldn't want to make any assumptions, Scott, but I do think that, you know, in the interest of transparency, don't don't parents deserve to know what was going on? Absolutely. And so I just thought it was a, it was a worthy, worthy thing to do, and, and so it's interesting that the governor didn't want to fork over any documents. Was there any explanation from the governor's office as to why they did not want to comply with the request? They said that I did not properly frame my request and that it was broad <laughs> and lots of legalistic terms and things that, you know... Like would, school? Yeah, school is a very difficult term to understand. Uh, and so, uh, but the attorney general's office found uh, that, that they still violated the act and that it was a very... That's better. <laughs> that sounds, I'm, I'm trying to help. Is that from like that? I don't know. That sounded like Anchorman. Yeah. You're not paying any rights for that. Though. Be careful. <laughs> what do you mean? Who's going to come after me? The breaking news orchestra? Police. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm listening. Sean. Dibs on that band, man. <laughs> so yeah, that's the that's the that's the situation that we find ourselves in. So we uh, we look forward to seeing if there's any anything. But you know the, the test scores. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Test scores went down nationwide 
uh, during the pandemic, and we see that the mental health crisis that's going on. And, you know, the governor is, is going to the General Assembly right now asking them to do all these sorts of things, to spend a lot of money, and shouldn't we know exactly what he did during the pandemic? You know what's vital about what you're doing is that while the Republicans are locked in a pitched primary battle, so they're running against each other, someone's holding Andy Bashir accountable. Right. I mean, that's the thing about this governor. No one's really holding him accountable. I mean, you're doing the work of the political party, the press, and, and anyone else, and the, and the public— and anyone else who might want to know what their government is doing. And so, thank you, Sean. Well, our General Assembly, our supermajorities, did did a lot of work to rein in the governor uh, yeah. after after he ran amok with executive power uh, during the pandemic. And so they passed some serious legislation. But I think that before they move forward on lots of things related to education, we need to know exactly what the governor did, what he knew, and when did he know it. So when I was a journalist, uh, I filed quite a few open records requests. I'll be honest that there was – I mean, various government agencies were often uh, slow walking uh, those responses mm. to those things. And there has been reform on, on from both sides of the political aisle and calling for no matter who's in office, which party or whatever, that they should comply with, with these. Remind me, though, because I, I really have I've lost track. What What is the process and how long does a governor or another elected official have to actually respond to your request? Well, uh, it's changed over the years, and, and there was a, a time during the pandemic, too, that there was extra dispensation to respond. But now you have five days to – five business days to respond to a request, uh, and then you know that kicks off another series of processes that we don't want to bore listeners with. But um, it's, it's, it's really a five-day process, and then that kicks off the, a time that where you might – can expect to have documents uh, from, from a state government agency. Just be forewarned that I remember now, and this, believe it or not, even though I'm old and and I was a journalist a long time ago, now even recently I understand sometimes they'll they'll give you the results like on a CD-ROM. Is know? that right? <laughs> Some of oh, on a CD-ROM, yeah. the amount of times I've had to how do you even look at had that? to go you drop to go. a check off to pick up a yeah. CD or a flash drive or. Mm-hmm. A number of things because they just – I guess they don't have Old Dropbox. Yeah. You know? I, I remember Mike Adams telling us they still, uh, in some cases, transmit the election results via fax. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, back back fact, to the state on election night. This is, some this counties. is a complete tangent. To, but to your point, I, I uh, do some research at times on past election results and just election uh, – like voter turnout. And I'm always surprised, and I shouldn't be, that even more recent elections are still a, like a scanned printout – like a PDF, of, of, a, yeah. a, but a PDF of something that they've literally like clicks, you know, print on the on the computer, yeah. Versus just a document, just, mm-hmm. or just an online. Well, why is that? Explain this to me, Sean. Well, I don't know. I'm Sean, gonna, answer I'm for not these the Secretary things. of State. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, good job, Sean. Thanks yeah, thank, thanks, guys. Interesting. Let so, us know how it goes because you I will get keep some you apprised now, of right? all updates. Is speaking of updates, how is the baby? Kevin, Kevin's, Kevin's baby. He is great, Teddy. Uh, had his first big smile today, my wife. Really? On camera. Um, <laughs> he smiles for my wife. When it's I look breaking. at him, he gives me a, a, a he screws up his face a little bit. And, uh, now, to procure this smile, did you have to file anything in advance? <laughs> well, there's a five day process uh, that involves the, the Kentucky Attorney General to approve it. That's right. Um, speaking of uh, interesting responses, the president speaking in uh, California on Thursday <laughs> afternoon. He was, of course, surveying some of the terrible damage out there, and our, our prayers go for the uh, the victims of all of that mm. natural disaster, uh, but a little frustrated 
with the press corps for having the I don't know what you call audacity. It. The audacity is the word I'm looking for to ask him about the classified document. You mean doing their job? Drip, drip, drip scandal of the Biden administration. The only I, I will answer the question, but here's the deal. <laughs> you know, what quite frankly bugs me is that we have a serious problem here we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on, and the American people don't quite understand why you don't ask me questions about that. But having said that, what's your question? As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately they turned over right. to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. This is typical Joe Biden. When he has clearly dropped the ball, he blames us. He blames everybody else. We, as Americans who are asking these questions, the reports, they've disappointed him. He just wanted to go and talk about what he was doing. But the fact that they had this question about a breaking national scandal in our nation's most sensitive documents, we've disappointed him by talking about it. Joe Biden cannot fail. He can only be failed. And right now he's being failed by the American press corps. Somewhat of Sorry, a, bad, a, bad media. A Freudian slip there with the failed filed <laughs> uh, by Joe Biden in California. Interesting, though, yes, the three big takeaways there were chastising the media, saying that he has no regrets. Which Not I even think a single letter. Interesting there. And that there's no there there. He is declaring that to be yeah. the case. Yeah. You, you know, in, in Sean's story that he started the podcast with and in this story, you know what I think the common thread is, is that Democrats are so used to not having to deal with difficult questions Mm -hmm. or being dug into at all. And so on the rare occasion that they are, they're so outraged. Like, they're Why aren't you doing my PR for me? They're outraged. It's like, aren't we on the same team? What are you doing? We're supposed to be working together here. You can hear it in their voice. They're stunned. They're outraged at the idea that that their own teammate. Why is this causing this consternation among the press? Why is this issue? Why have they turned on Joe Biden? I think it's because the Biden White House was anything but transparent. They kept information from the press. They repeatedly told the press that, oh, this is all there is. We've been fully transparent, whatever, only to then find out like the next day that that wasn't true. So I feel like in this instance, they feel like they've been had the wool pulled over their eyes. They've been lied to. And look, any any self-respecting media outlet that went hard after Donald Trump over yep. these documents. You have to go after Biden here. And yes, I know they've been trying to explain the difference. But but to quote Joe Biden, here's the deal. Here here's here is a difference that I think makes Biden's worse. How long were Joe Biden's documents laying out there in the open? Six years. And now they're saying, oh, oh, he's done everything by the book here. He's done everything the lawyers vet. Yeah. What was he doing for the six years? Before that, Trump's documents were known about and laying out there in the immediate months after his presidency ended. These documents have been in a garage and God knows where else for six years. I think that I think the one thing that the media really can't stand is this level of hypocrisy about the Biden White House going 
on 60 Minutes, doing all the interviews that he did, saying, who could be so irresponsible? Indeed. And then to find out that he was just as irresponsible and then didn't tell them about it when he's supposed to be the sainted figure, I think that that really frustrates them, and they they feel like they've been made to look to be idiots in the eyes of the American people, and they don't... They have to jealously guard their power as well. After all that they've done for Joe Biden, after squashing the Hunter Hunter laptop story for years during the election, and it's it's all coming back. You know what's interesting about this story? A few things have happened. Um, so Donald Trump weighed into this, shockingly, yeah. and <laughs> and is starting to lay out a defense of his own material, saying, "Well, I just took the souvenir folders and any documents." that they found on me were probably planted by the FBI, which he called the Gestapo, by the way. Now, we should say that there was a member of the House of Representatives that also claimed that the documents were planted <laughs> on Joe Biden. That's where I'm headed. So, interestingly, Trump's the second person to claim planted documents, because on the left, Congressman Hank Johnson of Georgia, right, Yep. Yeah. claimed that the Republicans have planted the doc. Now, you might remember Hank Johnson as the yes. man who once thought the island of Guam was going to tip over. Because of the so. overpopulation. Correct, correct. At a, at a military base. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. But, but this theory actually got its, this theory got its start, Jared, on The View. Our friends at The View. You a fan of The View? I think I've never Trump. seen a, a luckier person than Donald Trump. Just as we're this close well, to getting him, but you somehow know these but it, documents you know appear. But here's the thing. Biden is wrong to have done this. He, he was is in office wrong. Well, let's, find, out, let's find out what this is first. Now, again, mm. one of the things That's that gets true. me crazy is before we know, it's already been spun a specific yeah. way. I don't want to see that. But I want to see... Someone explained to me, A, how it's possible that after all this time, nobody yeah. knew this. Because to me, if you're missing classified information, I don't mean to laugh, but in my house, does, if stuff is missing, I know it's does missing. Does it feel like oppo research to you? Does it how feel do, like the Republicans are behind it? It's I, not. Uh, <laughs> it's the Republicans. Know, but, I'm sorry, sorry. But not not now, because one of the things one of the things he's saying is that, you know, some of these some of the locations where the docs may have been shipped in the transition I may see. have gotten taken and put. But I mean, still planted, planted. So you've got the fever swamps. You know, to call the view, by the way, the fever swamps of the American left is an insult to fever swamps, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> when you have Whoopi Goldberg trying to explain this when she doesn't understand how bad the Holocaust was. Oh, Whoopi. I mean. I mean, clearly an anti-Semite. I mean, time and again. Absolutely. But anyway, I digress. You've got the fever swamps of the American left claiming, floating, that the Republicans planted the documents. By the way, the only person other than Joe Biden that we know has been in his garage is Hunter Biden. We can get to that in a minute. But then you've got and Hunter Biden's girlfriend and Hunter Biden's <laughs> bikini-clad yes. compatriots from the Corvette picture that came out today. Yes. So you've got. Oh, I didn't see that. The, oh yeah, you look that up. You got the fevered swamps the of the left. Corvette, it's a then you've got Corvette. Donald Trump <laughs> claiming also that documents. So you you, <laughs> you basically the parallels have, are there's you, a Venn diagram emerging. <laughs> yes, there's, and I mean it. it it's uh, what a story. But to answer, no, oh, Jared for the win. Jared showing the photograph. Jared, of, describe it to us very Hunter, slowly. Yes. Is he in the Corvette himself? Yes. yes. Hunter is driving the Corvette, which and means that he got a lot of When was ride. this? And there's two bikini-clad women in the vet. 
But they blurred their faces to protect the identity. 2017. So the document. So he's just driving in and out of this garage. So in this garage are the Corvette, classified uh, national security material, Hunter Biden wearing an American flag camo hat, and two bikini-clad women. That's what we know for sure is in the garage at this point. And, oh, and that lamp that you can see in that one picture. Like the lamp that nobody wants. That garage is a mess. Total mess. It's crazy. Nasty. Looks the, like every uh, garage I've ever been in. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Donald Trump factor, though, from the press perspective, is the reason. I think the press, are, are they're, they're, they're painted themselves into a corner. And because of the now, I'm not saying that the that the, the the coverage of Trump is unwarranted. I think if you have classified documents that you shouldn't have, then you should give them back, and this should you should comply with the law, even if you don't like what the law says or National Archives. Even if you want to keep a souvenir of, I don't know, love letters from King Jong Un. I have no idea what was all in in those boxes that Trump had. He shouldn't have had them. But now, but because of the level of consternation, the level of outrage that was there. I don't think there's any way they can do other than what they're doing right now. You know what frustrates me about this story at the moment is that there is no conjecture at all, really, going on in the press. Nuclear codes. About what it is. With Trump, immediately. Oh, yeah. He was going to sell the nuclear nuclear codes. He's going to sell them to the highest bidder. The Washington Post reporting this. Now, later, they later walked that back. And then you also had the photograph, the famous photograph of all the stuff they laid out on the ground. Where's the photograph of... Joe Biden stuff. Sean should file an open record request. <laughs> we can find that. Speaking of people trying to get to the bottom of this, the new oversight uh, committee chairman, James yes. Comer, friend of the pod, of the pod. speaking on uh, Fox News, being asked about, wouldn't there be some record of which people have been coming in and out of said garage and house in Wilmington, Delaware? Being transparent with the American people, as you know, we requested visitor logs to see okay. who had access to those classified documents. They said none existed, but now we are starting to figure out that maybe they're playing a game of words with us. So we're going to re-ask and ask for any notes, correspondence, anything else, because we know that the Secret Service provided protection there and they had to have a record of who was going in and out of there because there's a vetting process as to, to know who gets... To go into the president's Are you saying a so process for the garage. This, this is the common thread. Are you saying that, that Joe Biden and Andy Bashir essentially are doing the same stuff? Sounds to me like they're playing word games. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Sounds to me like Congressman Comer needs to is just filing open records requests all over the place. I want to find I mean, I want to know who these these Hunter Biden friends are in this Corvette. I want to know if they're on the logs. They've actually been signed now to a reality show on CBS. <laughs> Hunter Island. Hunter Island. <laughs> and, and Kim Jong-un's daughter is going covered to be in snow. one of the watch. <laughs> the only island that's covered in snow. <laughs> well, sounds like the most dangerous game. Uh, right. And the, actually, the most dangerous game is whether or not the island will capsize. <laughs> <laughs> that's a... Speaking of capsize, uh, what are you drinking tonight, Sean? Uh, tonight I'm <laughs> I'm enjoying a blackberry hint. It's a water. Which is a water. Here's just, a step down from what you had last week. Yes. Uh, just decided to stay with anyone, us the entire program. Did Zenify respond to our letter? No, I was. I tried for a week to get them to sponsor this podcast, and they just would not get back to me. There is a lot in there. <laughs> I went and looked again. I thought about it again tonight. We should just pretend like they said yes and just act like they sponsored <laughs> Tonight's program brought to you by 
Yeah. I would like a T-shirt. So d- <laughs> was there any kind of like hangover or any other kind of re- – like? how did your body react the following day? To I after- slept amazingly well. <laughs> On the podcast, you slept amazingly well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you file the open rec- records request before or after? No. Maybe that's why it was so hard to I understand. I filed that in December. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. You filed it that long ago? Yeah. Okay. Didn't realize that. But well, but I think we should I think we should one night all of us should drink at least two Zenifies. <laughs> yeah, and good then, luck with that. then we, do it. We got stuff to pod. do in the morning. This, this is sort of our version of the uh, the CNN New Year's Eve party where <laughs> yeah, we're right. doing Zenify, they're doing whatever. Looking at a new uh, morning consult poll about potential Republican uh, primary voter support by candidate uh, Donald Trump forty eight. Ron DeSantis, 31, Mike Pence, 8, Liz Cheney, 3, Nikki Haley, 2, Ted Cruz, 2. Interesting developments. Nikki Haley, by the way, being interviewed by Brett Baer on Thursday. And as you might recall, uh, Scott, and give us some of the history here. Yeah. That, that basically she had, she had said at one point that she would not run if Donald Trump was. So Haley was the governor of South Carolina, gets tapped by Donald Trump to be ambassador to the United Nations, proceeding... Kelly Craft of Kentucky, leaves the administration, and then ultimately, after Trump leaves office, says she's looking at running but won't run if he does. He then, fast forward, files a campaign, and in a few days, he's announcing his South Carolina leadership team, and in response to that, she had this to say today. I think I can be that leader. I was as governor. I took on a hurting state with double-digit unemployment, and we made it the beast of the Southeast. As ambassador, um, you know, I took on the world when they tried to disrespect us, and I think I showed what I'm capable of at the United Nations. So do I think I could be that leader? Yes. But we are still working through things, and we'll figure it out. I've never lost a race. I said that then. I still say that now. I'm not going to lose now, but stay tuned. Now, Brett Bayer goes on to ask her, do we have that? I bet Jerry can find it. I, I thought I pulled that as well, but that I, I think I, ex, I excerpted it too too much. This, this is the key issue, though, because yeah. I think it was Brett she told that to originally, but he goes on to ask her, uh, you told me a year ago that you wouldn't run if Donald Trump is running. He's now running. and, and What she said was it's, it's time for, for, for new leadership and a younger generation. Well, the, the thing I took away from it was what she said was a lot of things have changed since then. Mm-hmm. And so um, – I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, how are voters going to respond to someone? Because I saw the Trump people tonight, uh, Trump spokesman, actually put out the clip of Haley saying she'd never run against Donald Trump. She was proud of the work they did. Kevin, what do you? Th- how do you think voters are going to respond to that? Uh, she is just such a popular figure, and she's so engaging to watch and so inspirational. I don't know. Everybody's are you being, are you being facetious or are you really? No, I, I I really believe that. I'm oh, a big Kevin's I'm a big, a big fan Haley of this. Fan. Really, the beast of the southeast. <laughs> She's, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, um, so yeah you, I, I'd give her a pass on it. I'd say go for it. Okay. It. <laughs> what do you think, Sean? I mean, listen, if if the idea on the part of some of these Republicans is that they want to take on Trump, yeah, there's, there's only one way to do it, which is to not repeat what happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. And if she runs, if Mike Pence runs, if, God forbid, Liz Cheney runs, uh, and Ron DeSantis runs, and all these people run, then there's there's no way that 
you're going to be able to defeat the former president. What do you think, though, from a voter's perspective? You know, you hear somebody say, I'll never run against Trump in this case, and then turn around a year later and totally go a different direction. Yeah, it's not great. Do you think that they, but don't you think some voters have just come to expect that from politicians? Like, yeah, Yeah. politicians say things all the time. Yeah, but it's kind of just an unforced error. It's just kind of like, it's not probably going to matter all that much, but it just wouldn't be something like I would want to deal with in advising a candidate or a campaign. I'll tell you what makes me uncomfortable about it. The fact that she appears to have her finger in the air all the time. You know, when she said, oh, I'll never run against Trump. Well, at the time she said it, it did seem unthinkable that Donald Trump could ever be dethroned or beaten in a Republican primary. She had her finger in the air. Today, once again, she puts her finger in the air and says, well, maybe he could be. And so that, to me, just as a quality, I, I sort of hate politicians who are just constantly with their finger in the air. And then they say things that, you know, I mean, yes, circumstances do change. But shouldn't you be smart enough to know that in the first place before you make blanket statements? So back to my my less excerpted uh, Nikki Haley quote from Fox News interview by Brett Baer. You, if you would support Donald Trump if he ran again in 2024, and you told this AP reporter, yes, I would not run if President Trump ran, and I would talk to him about it. And you added, that's something that we will have a conversation about at some point. Obviously... President Trump, former President Trump, is running. Uh, what has changed if you are where you are? I had a great working relationship with the president. I appreciate all the foreign policy issues we worked on together. Um, but what I'll tell you is the survival of America matters, and it's bigger than one person. And when you're looking at the future of America, I think it's time for new generational change. I don't think you need to be 80 years old to go be a leader in D.C. Okay. I think we need a young generation to come in, all step right, let me, up. Let, let me and- comment on this, because I believe it's true that a year ago when she said she wouldn't run against Trump, that she was fully aware of how old Donald Trump was <laughs> at that time. And so to come in now and say, well, I mean, he's too old. How could we possibly run this, you know, somebody this old? We need a new generation. Well, you knew that last year. This, this idea of just having your finger in the air, I, I just, to me, that, that whole, the whole thing's not going to hold water. But she has also seen what the rest of, rest of us are looking at. The campaign that he launched you know, seeming bored with it, doesn't have the same fire, the NFTs that he's decided to put out. I mean, what what else has his campaign Right. I, I don't what I has his campaign done between now and then to earn her support or I, anyone else's? I don't dispute any of that. I mean you're you're intellectually correct. What I am disputing is that anybody's gonna buy what she said. Oh, you know, we need a new generation. The survival of the country. Was it not at stake a year ago? I just what, I think what, I think a thinking person is gonna listen to that and say, man, I don't, know. I, I don't know if anybody besides Brett Baer and now our listeners would remember what she said a year ago. Oh, I think a lot of Republicans heard that loud and clear. All of you are far more uh, have more experience in campaigns than I. I never have been in a campaign before. Uh, but it, as far as poll tested messages, that whole thing sounded to me like oh yeah a yeah. regurgitation yeah. of everything. It was the the democracy is at stake. Uh, I know the, the president's too canned. old. It's, it's a canned but sort everything. Of... But I'm saying is that isn't does not work sometimes? And isn't that what we all you said? Know, Donald Trump needed more. I got to gotta <laughs> tell you, she'd be better off saying, you know what? Here's the deal. A year ago, you know, he looked like he was in a strong position, and it was hard for me to envision the party moving on. But now it looks like the party wants to move on, and I'd like to be part of that process. Wouldn't it just be smarter to acknowledge the reality? And be more authentic. And be more authentic. That, to me, that's the 
that's the coin of the realm, authenticity. You might recall on the New Year's Eve show or uh, our New Year's, uh, I, I was talking about Chris Sununu as being a yeah. potential uh, emerging force in the Republican Party. I find his response, though, not quite beast of the Southeast, but there is a certain... <laughs> A certain rhythm to governor candidates being able to very quickly summarize their successes when asked. What about is it? What, what is he saying? What are they? The yeast of the northeast? <laughs> the, the, yeast the, of the, the fleece. <laughs> the fleece of the northeast. We, we rose like the yeast of the northeast. Ed O'Keefe uh, of CBS <laughs> News interviewing Chris Anunu and giving him credit for being a potential contender. <laughs> One would think you've got a shot. Sure. At least early on. No, absolutely. Look, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm honored that folks are talking about it. Uh, we're definitely having conversations. I'm spending my time first. First priority is New Hampshire, right? Because I think our model is really, really awesome. Uh, we're sharing that model all across the country. People ask me to travel all the time to talk about not just how we do it and how we're so efficient with our government and you know f- most fiscally responsible, the lowest poverty rate, the only state that's actually yeah. growing in population in New England. You know how are we putting all that together, but also how to win. Right. I'm a Republican. I think good conservatives can win. That's that's probably the most interesting quote of all that. The very end of it. I just find it interesting how governors can very quickly summarize their entire uh, and they have a platform. upon They're they're good at selling their state. I mean, they do it to to businesses, to investment all over the place. They're good at in just a couple sentences. selling. I I find I find Sununu to be a pretty authentic guy. And uh, uh, there's a little bit of a of a niche for him in this thing. I don't you know, I don't know if he can break through to the top tier but i think he's interesting i think i think he comes across as real yeah and uh and he's pretty good on tv i, I think i think we haven't heard the last of old sununu i just like the way that he talks like the way when when i've seen him on several cable interviews but when someone's asking him the question you even heard it there where, where ed o'keefe was asking he's like yeah yeah he's it's like he's actually having a conversation and, and he's energetic but he's not rather than regurgitating maybe a, a poll tested response yes. yeah and, oh, he, and he's yes. just like yeah i mean we might do that i mean it might be something to look into it's who, just like it just seems normal who do you all think just if, if you're i mean i know this is an imperfect uh world or any inexact uh world question but who do you think? Yeah, that is podcast. a true story. Who do you think? It is also an imperfect podcast. That's exactly <laughs> Once right. Once we get this breaking news music, though, we are set. Yeah, I'll notice you haven't done anything on that yet. That's by what the, um, <laughs> I, it seemed you like know, you were really into it. When, so. no, no, I have when a question. you stop to think about it, though, the fact that we can, it's extraordinary that we can be in this room. <laughs> Something's touching me right now. Oh, and it's anger. Uh, <laughs> we might have to 18 plus this one. Um, <laughs> of all the Republicans that are looking at the race, which ones do you all score as being on the more authentic side of the scale, and which ones do you score as coming off in the more canned side of the scale? It's easier to say who's canned first. Okay. Uh, Mike Pence, I think, has was invented somewhat canned. You, you think that, huh? I do, because, well, it's just it, – look at his responses. I'll be, I'll be Mike Pence for you. Ask me a question. Okay. Why do you call your wife mother? <laughs> This is my Mike Pence response, by the way. He's chewing on his lip, kind of nodding up and down. America is an important place for motherhood. I mean, I was like, yeah. And unlike the radical left who wants to just erase right. mothers, yeah. I want to remind this woman every single day. All right, who else is canned? I think Nikki Haley. Yeah, she's canned. Um, so who's authentic? Chris Christie. Chris, he's, uh, he's kind of an authentic guy. Oh, Kemp, everyone everyone Kemp. named Chris. I'll throw Kemp in there. I think Brian Tim, Kemp, Tim Scott is extraordinary. Tim Scott, yeah. Brian Kemp, yeah, very good. So where does DeSantis fall? 
I'm, he hasn't said enough yet. I mean, everything. No, I mean, he. Where have he, you been? What? <laughs> nah, nah, but nah, he, he. But he's not out giving a thousand interviews yeah, a day. That's what I'm to saying. Point, that, yeah. that is my point. Is, they're is they're the, hiding him, which I think is actually smart for he, them. Right it, now, it is a rose garden type of strategy for for Ron DeSantis. And the, uh, you know, when when we had a friend of the podcast James Comer on, we asked him about DeSantis and his experience. He was talking about how shy he is. He's mm. just very reserved. And I have to wonder about you know some of that. To Sean's point before about how engaging Chris Nunu is, I don't know how Ron DeSantis. There, will there be. was an interesting article this week in Politico about this and how Ron DeSantis is trying to to solve this perception. Yeah, uh, and that his team and he are aware of this being a, a not so good perception, and that they're trying to work on it. So, where uh, do you, where do you put Glenn Youngkin of Virginia on this scale? I find him to be authentic myself. Seems like an authentic guy. I've met him. I, I would say yes, him. but but not as not as authentic as like a Sununu. Where do you put Ted Cruz? I, well, I would say Yunkin first. <laughs> back to Yunkin, I said think about it. Yunkin has a great deal Don't of what I like about Yunkin is that just very confident. You know, I mean, I mean, in other words, as far as his, his sincerity, I mean, this he he knows who he is and carries himself in that way. Ted Cruz programmed. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see how it develops. You know, I mean, Trump, I also find to be authentic. Well, I think it's why he is who he is. I think it's why he won in 2016 yeah. because people were willing to forgive, you know, the insane commentary and contradictions because they appreciated the, you know, sort of the, the authenticity. They felt like he it. was being on, like, it was just candor. Yeah. Like, like, he, just like, he, 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 well, why he, are we doing this? Well, because we, we're getting the hell beat out of us. Yeah, it, there was there was an authentic quality to it. I I've said that on TV before. And of course, the, the panels all laugh at me. They're like, how can you be authentic and be a liar at the same time? But I know that the way he portrayed it, yeah. it was it was. I don't know if he meant to do it, but he did tap into something on that vein. Well, what about, what about Joe Biden? Here's the deal, Jack. Actually, no lie. Actually, no lie. Listen here, fat. I think. <laughs> oh, come on. I think Joe Biden and Donald Trump are similar in that way. Is that their truths? Kind of supersede facts. Let me tell you my truth. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, this is a they, big this is a big theme for Joe. Have you picked up on this? The, the my truth. truth stuff. Oh, he hates it. It is. I know. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, but I think for both of them, it's a matter of it doesn't really matter what I do, what I say, what I've, what any of the facts. What matters is is that you're on the right side if you're with me. Yeah. And that, and that kind of trumps, pardon the pun, <laughs> any other any other. But uh, differently with Joe Biden, you're also not black if you're not for him. You know, something true. about Joe Biden I just realized. So so at his house in Delaware, he's got Hunter Biden going in and out of his garage with a Corvette and the bikinis, whatever. So he's got that he's got that going on. And then at the White House, he's got that granddaughter of his living there for some unknown reason. It's like everywhere Joe Biden goes. See, I like missed this. His granddaughter he, lives at the White House? Yes, and they got married there. They'd been living there. All this. It's like everywhere he goes, he's got all of his... I didn't know J- that. Jamie Comer calls it the Biden crime family. He's got all of his family like... Literally just li- running in and out of his domiciles because all the time. they're all trading on his name. What I mean, what is that? It's a little weird. It is weird. I didn't really re- – I know that she got, she got married there. Yeah, and, and they wouldn't let the press film the wedding, and then Sean they sold – Sean actually filed an open record request. <laughs> <laughs> I've been very busy. <laughs> you filed an, an ORR with the Target wedding registry. <laughs> I want to know – chart, everything. I want to know exactly what they asked Dear for. Dear William Sonoma, <laughs> I would like to know – <laughs> Speaking of authenticity, by the way, perhaps the authenticity award of the week should go to Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers, who decided when the the, the franchise, when the team had a a pride night, 
mm-hmm. and instructed the players to put on uh, rainbow themed uh, LGBTQ plus jerseys. Could you for... have said that like with any more familiarity? <laughs> I had to think about. I had to make sure I got. I was trying to be respectful and say all the letters. I had to think about it. Okay, are, you, are you? Are you? Never mind. Anyway, he decided though this this for his to be authentic to himself, to be true to his his beliefs and faith that he was not going to do the breaking news. So Ivan Provorov. <laughs> This is, so let's hear from him first. He was asked then about the, after the game, but I think they won, yeah. about his decision not to do that by the local press there in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Twitch says he respects the decision you made for religious purposes. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I respect everybody, and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm going to comment on that. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would let, I would answer I, those. Let me let me so, start by complimenting his media relations strategy on that. He had a very concise, succinct comment. He knew he was going to get asked about it. He knew it was going to be a big deal. He didn't meander. He didn't sit there and sort of BS it. He didn't try to to, to negotiate with himself. He gave his statement, and then when the follow up came, does anybody have? Really well handled from a media relations perspective. So at the end, after somebody asked him a, a hockey question or two, someone came back to him and said, "What about this situation?" He said, "Didn't you hear what I said?" Yeah, <laughs> really no. strong, really no. good from on that. And then, uh, and so this set off a furor in some quarters. What was the name of this guy? The commentator. Well, there's there's two we're talking about here. One is on the show Breakfast Television. <laughs> Uh, in Toronto, I believe. Yeah. I can't pronounce the guy's last name. I don't know who he is. It's Sid. It's me, Cihero. It's C E I X E I R O. But he was speaking to a co-host uh, the following morning about what happened there, and he was rather exercised about this particular controversy. The NHL has to do something here. This is not good enough. This is not good enough. Hockey is for everyone. Dot dot dot. Unless unless you don't agree with gay rights, is not the phrasing of this. You're either in this or you're not. And one last point. Nothing scares me more than any human being who says, I'm not doing this because of my religious beliefs. Because when you looked at people's lives, you normally say that publicly, you'd throw up at what you saw. You would throw up at what you saw. And I have seen that a million times in a lot of different ways. So don't, don't give me that. With respect. Don't give me that because no one's perfect. Sounds very respectful. All right? yeah, tell, I'm glad he threw it, though. By the way, Canada, Canada. And Canada, all of a sudden, uh, the NHL is going to back off this. The National Hockey League today <laughs> needs to find that organization a million dollars and reevaluate how they support gay rights. Because that is insulting. That is the number one trending topic in Canada. That is insulting what happened in Philadelphia. And if the NHL is serious about this, they say they are. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see how serious they are today. Canada, by the way, a country that was founded on the grounds of religious freedom. <laughs> a, B, you know what I find interesting about this whole saga is not the the uh, Pride Nights or the gay right. What I find compelling about, about it is the aspect of what is the nature of speech mm-hmm. and the idea that, in this guy's mind, some speech must be compelled and that you're not allowed to deviate from a narrative if you have certain kinds of beliefs. Now, what if that hockey player had been a Muslim? You think he'd have been pounding the table about it? I doubt it. 
But the fact that he said it was his Christian beliefs is what set him off. And so I, I find this idea that some people believe that some speech must be compelled to be See, so on the left right now, you've got two kinds of sort of two kinds of speech plays. The the people who want to compel speech, but then they also want to um banish speech that they don't agree with. It's right. it's really corrosive. You know, it's one thing if had there been a protest <clears throat> over someone, let's say this Provorov had decided to on a, on a, on his own uh wear some kind of a patch that was anti LGBTQ. Yeah. plus. You know, I you know, or something along the lines of protest to say I yeah. I I uh revile you. I I condemn you. He You're, didn't do that. No. I'm saying he did not make any public statement at all. No negative. And he, in fact, he said I respect right. everyone yep. else's choices. Yeah. So this is the, And all he asked is that they would right. respect his. And to your point though, isn't that something that I mean, this is this is really kind of a seminal moment yeah. in the speech debate because it's one thing to say that okay, what it's even debatable in terms of whether you should condemn someone for expressing their truly held beliefs. But now we're going to a different plane as to say, not only are we going to criticize you for expressing your authentic beliefs, we're going to hold you accountable for not agreeing with ours yeah. publicly. And this guy's, what is that? And this guy's calling for the Flyers to be fined a million dollars because a player basically decided not to participate in compelled speech. It, it's, it's a And threw, threw away religious liberty. In, in the interim. We have not heard from Jared tonight. Yeah, I think it's... It, like, I'm a huge sports fan. I think a lot of us in the, this room have seen these, like, social justice issues take over a lot of the leagues in the last couple of years. We were talking about before the show, uh, same thing happened in the MLB with some LGBT patches. The NFL, like, behind every end zone has these social justice things that players have on their helmets. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of us, A, that are just like, I don't want this in sports. Mm-hmm. I just, like... I don't need my players to like if they don't know about an issue, like I don't need them to take some stand publicly about it. Like I watch them to score touchdowns or score goals. And so I think it puts these athletes in a weird position too. And so like I don't even know what we expect them to do. I actually think it's this is the best choice he could have made. I mean, imagine if he went out there and everybody else had the rainbow jerseys on and he was in like a regular warm up. That that would have been a much worse look. And you so, know, it, it is interesting to your to your point. You know, he chose to not go out there at all for the warm up so that he spectacle. so yeah. that he wouldn't be a distraction from the rest of the team that had decided. Which, you know, that's probably a respectful thing for him to have done for the rest of his teammates. Now, the sports commentators and people who watched warm ups actually were aware that he wasn't out there. And of course, they're wondering: Is he injured? And right, I mean, and yeah. that's so. That's where it becomes sort of an issue from a sports, you know, a fan perspective. But to your point, you're exactly right. Who was the commentator that said he should have to be forced? Do we have that we one? Can pull it. Yes. There was another. Yeah. There was another hockey commentator who said he has. He should have to go back to Russia and fight against the Ukraine. Oh, well, because he was yeah. asked on that soundbite there about he. You know, he's Russian Orthodox. Is is his faith right? And, and not that you should have to. To, to justify exactly what brand, denomination, or otherwise you are, if you authentically believe that something is 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 a, a, a opposite of your beliefs, but here is that response: Brooke can get on a plane any day he wants and go back to a place where he feels more comfortable, take less money, and get on with his life that way. If it's that problematic for him, and he's been in North America for a long time, he played in the Western Hockey League, he's now been in Philadelphia for many years. If this is that much of a problem for him to maybe assimilate into his group of teammates and in the community and here in this country, 
That's okay, listen, you can feel any way you want. But the beauty is, if it bothers you that much, there's always a chance to leave, go back where you feel more comfortable. I understand there's a conflict of sorts going on over there. Maybe get involved. So... So, so again, this, he used the word assimilate. Yeah. So, in this commentator's view, that you you must mm-hmm. you must assimilate with our speech. You must conform to our views, or you have to go back to Russia and go fight against the Ukrainian. Which is, by the way, this would. I mean, this is essentially like a Vladimir Putin talking. This idiot doesn't even know that. But, but it, it, to, I mean, think about think about that he wants this person so badly to conform he wants to deport him that he wants could, to send them away if, i mean if somebody said that to colin kaepernick go back where you came from yeah. i mean that but that's exactly what this guy did right it, it is it, that is exactly the right point it, it it's interesting people now here's here's a question for these do you think these commentators sort of went flew off the handle because they were trying to go viral. Like, do you think they were trying so. to create a moment for themselves? You, you, I, well, this is again, I mean, this that is guy pounding thing. the table, he almost, like, he was a little too yeah. thirsty for it. <laughs> yeah. His his voice was pretty authentically cracking with the <laughs> But this is the sure. thing about, like, this politics invading sports. It's like you have these people, these these who are, you know, sports people, having to talk about these issues. Like, they shouldn't be. Like this is not—I I don't know. Maybe this is an antiquated view. I, I guess I don't I stick don't, to sports. I, I'm not like a shut up and dribble. Like if these players in their own time want to commit to these, one of the I saw uh, some of the money raised. There was a few players on the Flyers who have a like uh, for young LGBT kids in the community and their private time. If they want to do that and use their platform and a post game press conference to talk about that, sure. It's just. It's so strange to me that the, these leagues feel compelled to be so directly involved with these issues, and it puts you know these these commentators in weird I mean, places where they the guy probably shouldn't be talking. It's what it that. got. It's what got the MLB to move the All Star game out of Atlanta. Yeah, they just get yes, beholden to these issues, which yeah, Corp- they were wrong about. I mean, right? It's, it's which the, which was all that, and that was all and, founded and on not a lie. to mention the hypocrisy of all this too, right? Like the the NBA has done this, and then what's like, well, what about your relationship with the Communist Party of China? Like, oh, uh, you know. well, you know, the the, the NHL <laughs> seems to be just, they they've run into it a couple of times lately because you know they've been on a a whole thing about making their league more diverse. So they held a job fair in Florida recently, and only only minorities were allowed to apply for the jobs. And DeSantis... Like a line, like blacks only? Yes. They were essentially set up a, a, rid of those. a segregated <laughs> job fair, and DeSantis, like, shut them down. Yeah. We'll have to, to look up the story, but... What are yeah. they thinking? <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I mean, at what point doesn't someone... Isn't there an adult in the room oh, How did that get out of oh, the brainstorm? Joe, I'm sorry. If you would like to be more comfortable in a place that doesn't have segregation, maybe you can go somewhere. <laughs> but in America, we That's like things crazy. segregated, so... That is that Here is we go. Uh, four days ago, NHL backs down from DeSantis. Let's see here. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis... Oh, this is dead span. They're going to hate DeSantis. Let me get something that's a little more. Uh, uh, DeSantis, NHL diversity job fair, an act of discrimination. Earlier this week, Governor Ron DeSantis and the National Hockey League got into a back and forth over an event to be hosted in the state focused on pushing diversity efforts. In a post about the event on LinkedIn, the NHL shared that its job conference held in Lauderdale, uh, the Pathway to Hockey Summit, would be exclusive to female, black, Asian, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, LGBTQ, disabled individuals, and veterans. 
The NHL's purpose for the event, they said, was to grow the diversity in its workforce. DeSantis criticized the move with his press secretary saying it was discrimination. So, yes, they, they put out a, 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 a flyer for a job fair and, and, seg- and, and uh, discriminated and said, if you don't meet, if you don't check one of these boxes, you're not allowed to show up. I mean, it, <laughs> and so the NHL seems to be stumbling all over itself on these issues right now. But it's, but as you pointed out, Kevin, they're not the first sports league. Yeah. You know, the MLB did, but and they're, and they're hardly the first corporation to make mistakes. And, and back to DeSantis. <laughs> it's is, always going to be DeSantis but showing is, them how. But this has been the core of his appeal, I yeah. think, to a lot of Republicans because he has effectively been the one standing up to these corporations who wade into these things with no real plan, no real strategy, not thinking through what they're doing. And DeSantis is willing to call them out and to and to try to stop them. I mean, it, it it's it's been pretty impressive what he has done and the way he has uh, engendered goodwill among uh, Republican grassroots about it. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm getting more impressed with him every day on these kinds of issues, and I know grassroots Republicans are too. You have to wonder about the back on the NHL thing <laughs> briefly. Is that at some point you wonder if illegal to say we're going to do away with all special nights other than Star Wars? You know, and just yeah. <laughs> what about the Trekkies, Joe? Only oh wow, <laughs> and specifically only nights dedicated to the Empire. <laughs> there you right, that's the... but when you start to think about it, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, that a group, a select group of people, can get together and save the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Not people, human beings. Human beings. I'm sorry, I was paraphrasing. Yeah. What else we got right. on the agenda this week? I think that's I, anything else. I mean, other than you mentioned DeSantis, I was I was going to say uh, you guys were talking uh, earlier about Kamala Harris and why she's uh, going to be in Florida for the Roe v. Wade uh, 50th anniversary. And my guess is because Ron DeSantis is the governor there. And, oh yeah, and that's the potential matchup. Yep. I also hear she loves electric school buses. Electric school buses. That was she a big deal. She loves electric school buses. Yeah. I got nothing else. What do you got? Seen Red Herd? Boy, do we have any Seen Red Herds? Anybody Kevin? got one? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I have one. But go on. No, no, no. You go on. I, we'll go around the horn here. I've got one. I've been listening to a great new book um, recommended to me by a friend of the pod. Uh, it's called Night Comes to the Cumberlands, and it's uh, a history uh, of eastern Kentucky, southern Kentucky, the Cumberlands Plateau, uh, from when it was the far west frontier through the lumber and timber, through the family feuds, through the rise of the unions and coal mining, the Depression, the World War. Um, really, really great listen so far. Um, written by a former state rep who was from the area, been in the area for, for generations. Uh, I think who? Was, uh, Harry Caudill. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. was published in the 60s, a professor at UK, too. Just a really, really good take and an interesting book. Kentucky history, Sean. Yeah, so I uh, I did a little uh, civic engagement this week and judged a competition of uh, high school students competing over uh, constitutional documents and making arguments about applying uh, those arguments today, trying to understand the Constitution. But while I was there, a woman pulled me aside and said she loves the podcast. Really? Nice. Yes. I so, love it. Gerana, if you're listening, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> thank you for listening. My Seam Red Herd will be, and Kevin, you were in attendance uh, this past week at the Louisville Forum, and that was my, my final Louisville Forum as president as far as a luncheon is concerned, and we ended... Four more years. You know, <laughs> we, we ended on the absolute highest note possible oh, yeah. by having a two-time uh, U.S. Cabinet Secretary 
Elaine Chow. This is an incredible personal story, of course, but former Secretary of Labor and more recently Secretary of Transportation. But what great timing <clears throat> after all of the FAA debacle, Southwest, and the uh, the traffic control system going down. And she made some news, which I think will actually kind of be dribbling out as as national news gets uh, access to the to our to our YouTube channel here when it's published in a couple of days. And that is, but basically talking about um, setting up a a nonprofit corporation separate for the air traffic controllers, so it's not subject to uh, congressional budgetary whims. What was the title of the program, Joe? And why was it so funny? And did you come up with it? It was planes, drones, and automobiles. It's a little take on the old Steve Martin trains. starred in it too. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, but Elaine was uh, the secretary. Chow was 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 very impressive, and 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 some of the futuristic you know notions of all this in terms of the drone deliveries and where we're going with all that and flying taxis. It was. She's a person who who knows all of this because that was her job uh, right. for four years, and she paints a very optimistic picture about where where a lot of this is going. And she did not take any swipes at the current Secretary of Transportation, was very diplomatic. and uh, But the overall, the, the, the people in attendance all came up to me and said, who, just stellar, stellar program. Who so is, thank, who thank you, is doing a worse job, Mayor Pete or Corrine Jean-Pierre right oh now? I mean, which, which Biden talk employee about is our, the worst? Talk about a race to the bottom. I mean, they're competing with each other to be terrible at their job. I mean, man alive. But I will say thanks to Secretary Chow. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and I will point out for the listeners who are in our area, though, because I said about my, my final my, – actually, the final Louisville Forum meeting that I am president of is in February 8th uh, at the Waterfront Botanical Gardens as our annual dinner. And we're going to be featuring the Florida Lee Award winner is the Novak family, David and Wendy Novak of Yum Brands and their daughter, Ashley Novak Butler, who is uh, with their Lift a Life Foundation and the new mayor of Louisville, Craig Greenberg, will be our featured speaker. So go to louisvilleforum.org. Scott. Jared. Are you a sponsor of the program now? <laughs> that sounded like a good sponsorship. Zenify like uh, is going to be really upset right, that they yeah. didn't get that much press. Actually, this uh, this Zenify, what was it called again? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. They're, they're going to be sponsoring the <laughs> forum. Very quickly, I read an op-ed this week. People may remember Dr. Leanna Wen as one of the most. Oh yeah, she's had quite the quite uh, the about face. People, she wrote an op-ed this week. We are overcounting COVID deaths. And oh op-ed. really? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Two and a half years uh, later, it's an interesting piece, only because again, these people are saying what we said two and a half years ago. It's just I don't know. I, I know there's. We talked maybe a month or two ago about the. You know, like the we need a mea culpa basically on the the COVID stuff. I don't know. These people are. It's like they're spitting in our face now. They're like, oh, now did, we're fine. But did some of the people though on the they they were raging against her. Yes. Like they could. Oh, really, oh yeah, she. Some of her, I'm sure now, former friends were all over her. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. At two, how could you do this? And there were yeah. people. We're not. We're undercounting them. If anything, you know, it's, some people going crazy about it. Yeah. You have any seen, read, or heard? I, I saw a couple of things uh, this week. Uh, watched a couple of things. I watched the pilot on HBO Max of their new series, The Last of Us, uh, which mm. is an adaptation of a video game with uh, what's his name, Pablo uh, Escobar. Really? <laughs> no, it's the guy that plays the Mandalorian. Though it's uh, oh yeah, what's his name? Pablo Escobar. That's that's <laughs> not his name though. What is it? You know, it's, uh, it's Pablo Lopez is a pitcher for the Marlins. I'm hoping it's not the Marlins trade for him. I know it's not him either. No, Pedro. 
Pascal. Yeah, I was close. And uh, anyway, I watched that. I thought it was pretty good. I plan to watch the next Directionally one. Directionally correct. That and one. then uh, Netflix uh, has a new series out about the Madoff saga. Oh, yeah. I saw that advertisement. I watched the first episode of that in there an airport. There have been like four morning. different movies about the Madoffs, though. This is fascinating. This is new. I, the first one was, it, I mean, it's highly dramatized. Like it's it's sure. it's almost artsy in a way, the way they've done it. Uh, Sounds like the Elvis movie. But it's uh, but it which I liked. But I they do interweave like you know there's a you know there's some actors and then there's the the documentary style where they've interviewed certain players. They do have Madoff's own voice from depositions. It, it's it's it, the first episode was good if you're interested in mm-hmm. kind of going back to the beginning of that saga. But I I was interested in listening to it because. Uh, a lot of people are comparing this crypto meltdown, this FTX mm-hmm. thing, to the Madoff thing, and I kind of wanted to go back and try to refresh about you know all the. I didn't realize Madoff had 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 such a long history in the trading business, like dating back to the to the sixties even. And so that was what the first the first episode was a lot about how he came to be. Is he still in jail? He is he is he alive? I thought he died. I think he died, didn't he? Fact check. Fact check. Is Madoff this, alive? this reminds me of when I was on an overnight radio show in the late '90s, early 2000s. <laughs> He's dead. One of my best segments what, did was he die? hit the breaking news. Was better <laughs> breaking news. Was better alive. <laughs> Come across the wire. Hold on, hold on. I, I lost <laughs> it. This ain't no carnival. What was that? I get what you're trying to that. think about. It. It's pretty extraordinary what? that we, a select group of Jeez. human beings. Yes. Because whatever touched us at some point in our lives. End the show with breaking news. Bernie Madoff, <laughs> dead. April 14th, 2021. Oh. Uh, well, it was during COVID. COVID. That yeah. is breaking news. There he died it. in the Bahamas. He did? North Carolina. Oh. <laughs> what? So sorry, what? Prison. Bahama, North Carolina. It's almost extraterrestrial to think it. about. Let's <laughs> get Wow. Out. Yeah, he All was right. born 1938. Yeah, he, so, he, yeah. he, yeah, he, uh, his parent, and in this first episode, his parents, um, you know, they've sort of talked about how he, you know, sort of came to his profession and his worldview and you know, how his parents and his dad. And I don't know, it was, it was interesting. It's a lot of things I didn't know. So I always like to watch things that tell me something I didn't know. And there was one. What's you have a plan there, Scott, for the CNN coming up? Anything? Uh, great question. I was on this morning. It's Thursday night. I was on very early this morning in New York City with Don Lemon, who was wearing a hoodie and a sport coat this morning. It was, uh, Many tweets was about that. Yeah, I mean, it was literally a hoodie and a. Sport I have jacket. missed everything. So Biden's granddaughter is living at the White House. <laughs> yep. Don Lemon is wearing a hoodie and a sport coat. We were talking about George Santos having stolen three thousand dollars from the veteran that had the dog charity thing. I heard that George Santos competed at like in a uh, like in a drag con- competition. We almost made it the whole pod without talking about that. Yeah, show. <laughs> that came up this morning. He's denying it, but the drag queen person who says that he did do it, the head, head queen. Is is standing firm on their assertions. I don't know what's going to come of that piece, but anyway, I was on CNN this morning. Um, I I don't I, I think I have some upcoming appearances uh, just scattered throughout the the day. So anyway, we'll see. Thanks for joining us this week on Flyover Country with Scott Jennings for Jared Crawford and Kevin Grouch, Sean Southern, Scott Jennings. I'm Joe Arnold. Have a wonderful week. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.